All right, I am Haggai Davis III, along with Haggai Davis II, and we'd like to welcome you to Tech Gumbo. Our show is a conversation about the past, present, and future of all things technology that we like to keep topical, interesting, and digestible. We want to thank our sponsor, Cardinal Capital, for making this possible. Cardinal Capital connects businesses to capital. It doesn't matter what business that you are in, Cardinal Capital has the resources all across the United States that are willing to help fund organizations of all sizes, life cycles, categories, and locations. Cardinal Capital works with you to craft the best commercial finance package for you to achieve your business goals. Whether you're looking to refinance current debt because of the new government programs and favorable interest rates, or finance new equipment, or maybe you're trying to acquire another business entirely, Cardinal Capital has the resources to make it happen. When lenders cannot do a loan, they seek out Cardinal Capital to help. The Cardinal Capital guys are easy to work with and fun to be around. Contact them today at 225-308-3700 or send them an email at info at cardinalcap.net and they'll be happy to help you with your commercial finance needs. So each week we take a listener question about a topic they were interested in by visiting our website techgumbo.net and going to our website and leaving the question. And this week's question is, is there an easy way to support my mom's computer remotely? This is a question which comes up a lot as being tech support for a parent is a very common task. Fortunately, my parents are tech competent, tech literate. This is not a burden that falls on my shoulders, which I am very thankful for. But if you out there do find yourself fighting this fight, we're here to help. And as it happens, it does tend to fall on my shoulder for both my mom and my mother-in-law. Love them both. Love to support them remotely on their PCs. And so the first thing you have to do, you have to decide, okay, am I going to spend money, get the go to my PC, which is going to cost several hundred dollars a year, which means you can log in anytime you need to, or do you go the free route that they, that they have to be on their PC and give you permission to do things? So it's, it's kind of one of those things where, okay, how much support do you need to do? How much, how much do you need them to help you to do things? So if you're running a Windows PC, good news, Windows has something built in for you. Right. It is called Quick Assist. And you have to go into the search bar and find it. And it might pop up in the Microsoft Store, but it's a free program. And then both users will have to have it. So, you know, the person getting assistance and the person providing assistance. And so uh, at the same time, they log in and the person providing it will click uh, assist another person. The other person will click give assistance. Both people will enter the six character code. And then there you go. You have 10 minutes to plug it in and then you can take full control as long as you have their permission and roll from there. If you have a Mac, then it's a little more difficult. There's not a, an overt program but if you if you search on on the the, the bar the if you if you go to the, the search bar and you press the command key and at the same time the space bar and you then you start typing screen sharing then you get a similar kind of pop-up and it will allow the two Macs to to connect and one has to get permission when the other one has to ask for ask to share the screen and 
And once you have have that going, then you can take over the computer and fix the things that your parents click on and, and settings they've changed and whatever else so that you don't have to hop in the car and drive across town or across the country or or pay somebody to go take care of your parents' computers. Yes, this is a very much a feature which can save you a lot of time, a lot of hassle. So thank you to our listener for the question. Yes, and because this listener sent us this question, we will be sending out the Tech Gumbo mug. If you want to see what the Tech Gumbo mug looks like, please go to our website, techgumbo.net. And if you would like one of these big, beautiful mugs, send us the question. And if we use your question, we will send you a mug for free. So the moving into the main bulk of the segments today, First, we want to talk about data breaches, security, privacy. You know, what can you, the individual, do here? Yeah, we wanted to get into what actually happens in a data breach. What are the, if you're one of these cyber criminals and, and you're trying to break into a database, what are, what are the criminals actually going after? And what are some of the things that, that they're doing with the data? And, and you know, how can you stop this information? So that question, what do the thieves want? That is an incredibly broad question. It could be all kinds of different data. Maybe the data itself is valuable. Maybe it gives them access to money. Maybe it gives them access to some other digital resource. Maybe they are trying to hold something for ransom via ransomware. There's all kinds of different things that nefarious actors can, can try to do here. And there really is, because so much of our lives are on computer, so much value is digital now. Thieves could want any number of parts of that. So if you're one of these people who think that they're just trying to get your social security number, they're not. Your social security number is out there already. Your, your driver's license, your date of birth, all of that is on the dark web. It's been in a whole lot of databases. If you've ever applied for a credit card anywhere, if you've ever gone to a hospital, if you've ever put your information into any kind of a database anywhere, it's probably been breached and that information is out there. Oh, absolutely. With the Experian hack a few years ago, the they were a credit score company and they had everyone's uh, credit score and all their credit information, credit history, completely leaked and there was a class action lawsuit that ultimately crumbled because the company declared bankruptcy and sorry that's that's what happened there knowing that that's out there okay what can you do if you're notified your data is stolen and the first thing you can do is you can you can go to any one of the three credit bureaus and you can put a credit freeze on your account so that nobody can go out and get a credit card in your name or open a checking account or a bank account or go buy a vehicle in your name because you have you have it totally blocked so that nobody can even but you got to remember if you all of a sudden try to go buy a pickup truck because you have a and you have a credit freeze on your account you might get denied not saying that that happened in december but it it, it may have to me Yep, that's what the making sure that that's if you are afraid that your identity has been stolen, that's a great place to go. But, you know, there are so many different other types of data that can be hacked, attacked, stolen in so many different ways. And, you know, these databases, when they're breaking into them, 
there's so many different things. You know, we've talked about, you know, people who click on links and they create backdoors or all kinds, they open up a listening port, all kinds of different things on networks happen and they're exposing entryways for those who are doing nefarious things to get into the networks. And once they get on the network, they go sniffing around and they look for a database. And once they find a database, they're going to download the contents. And and that database may be encrypted to them. And it, okay, it didn't didn't hurt anything to have that database handy. So if your database is, in, is encrypted, that's good. If it's not, well, maybe you might think about having your data encrypted on your server. Yeah. You know, another thing you can do is turn on your multi-factor authentication. This is a good way to protect yourself if the database that holds all the passwords was stolen and then they try and plug your username and your password into an account and then your multi-factor pops up and says, hey, are you logging in, approve or disapprove? And you say, whoa, that's not me. And you click disapprove. Well, there you go. You've now you know, prevented them from getting into your account, wherever that account is. And so this is why we have multi-factor authentication. Certainly, you know, we always we get back to passwords and we've beat the drum many, many times. And and yes, the the outlook over the next several years is we will not have to worry about passwords in, in the relatively near future. But for now, since we still do, make your passwords long, make them strong, and make them something you can remember. Yes, the uh, classic XKCD comic that we love to re refer to is the passphrase Iceland Weird Red Totally is very long, but it's very easy to remember. You could have no capitalizations, no spaces. Maybe you throw in a question mark at the end, but Iceland Wired Red Totally is so much easier on you than trying to remember, did you have a zero? Did you have a, an O? Did you replace a, a letter with a number somewhere? All those other crazy things that you can do, simply having it be long, but very easy for you to type in, very easy to remember, makes you so much stronger. And then if you just need to make your password a little bit longer, if you use a a special character in a, in a trigger word, use the dollar sign in the, the, in the word money, capital M-O-N-E-Y. That's now you've added six characters to your password. If you put that in front of every one of your passwords and then you do something behind that, you've just now created a very strong password. And, and you've the, made it longer. The longer the password, the harder it is to guess. But also it's very important that you can remember it. And so, like I've said numerous times before, I will have that phrase out in front and I'll have the thing that I'm trying to log into. And so in this example, it would be dollar sign money ESPN, dollar sign money Disney, you know, or it could be, you know, Microsoft dollar sign money, just something like that, wherever now all of a sudden you have a different password every place you're logging into. But again, it's very easy for you to remember because you have that one phrase out front, which is, you know, has the different pieces in it that the you have the capital letter in the M, you have the dollar sign. So the, the, all of the password lists like that. 
but it's not crazy. It's not wild. It's you can have a different one every time and not feel so burdened that it's impossible to remember. And then if you just need to use green horse truck or three random three or four random words together that make sense to you that that you know the correct horse battery staple is is an example that's used a lot. And if you use things like that to help yourself, obviously you're not wanting to use anything. Don't just change the the O to a zero and password and think you've done something. And you can't use one, two, three, four, five, six, or anything just alphabet. Don't use QWERTY. You have to try and protect yourself because those who are out there trying to get a hold of your data, they know all these tricks. Yes. We've talked in the past about what are the list of the most common passwords and all the ones that you just listed are right there at the top. Password, QWERTY, admin, one, two, three, four, five. You know, if if that is any one of your passwords, please change it immediately. It takes them less than five minutes to randomly guess about a thousand passwords. And those are the most common 1,000 passwords that it's just going to blow through all of those so fast you're not even going to know how how quickly they, they broke into your system. So give yourself a fighting chance and use multi-factor authentication and use a long, strong password or passphrase. Yes, absolutely. Other things that you can do to protect yourself while you're online. Whenever places are asking for your email address, think twice before you share it. So yes, because you've had that email address for 25 years and you think everybody has already seen that email address and it's been used everywhere, so it's not a big deal, it really still is. Yeah, your email address is a centralized identifier for you, and so there's probably a lot of pieces of information You've probably used that email address uh, to log into a lot of different accounts and a lot of different websites over time. And so, you know, that's pretty valuable, actually. Your identity tied to that, protect it, treat it like it's valuable. Because every email address is very unique. Obviously, there's no duplications when you have that email address that's been that you've been using and using and using because you don't want to continuously change well maybe it is a good idea to have different email addresses have a gmail account have a yahoo account or an outlook account so that when you're gonna sign for something that you're not really sure about use one of those garbage accounts don't use your main email address Whatever you can do to siphon things that you know are going to be junk into a junk email, that is an excellent way to make sure, one, that it's more difficult for all these tech companies to build a singular profile of you. But two, you're going to keep your main email address more usable. The number of spam emails that you can get into your inbox, and maybe it's not true garbage spam but it's just something that you see it and it is so uninteresting and so unhelpful that you it does you no good to see it and so have it go to a trash inbox wherever you're not worried and the that one main inbox is only actual people trying to contact you and then make sure 
depend upon the what you do for a living, but you have your work email address, which should only be for work. And then you have your personal email address, which should be only for your personal things. You should not use your personal email address for anything business related. And you should never, ever use your personal stuff on the business email. Yes, absolutely. Keep those separate. The more that you can have those all be separate streams, separate channels for just a number of different reasons. One, because you don't want your business going through your personal email address. They just, they don't need to see that. It, it helps all parties involved. But two, it's it's just good to have these channels, good to have these hard dividing lines. Very much recommend it. You can also use email masking tools. They're, you know, Apple and Mozilla, they have their little systems that will create an alias, which is another way of hiding your email address so that you can you can log in or, or cr- sign up for things and not have your actual email address just floating around out there. It's tied back to either to Apple or, or to Mozilla, but it goes through their system first and they will be running the, the filter for you. Yeah, and the last one is opt out. There's sometimes whenever you can just opt out of ad targeting. You can go to transparentadvertising.org, and there you go. They will help you see wherever the places that are tracking you, and you can make decisions based upon that from there. Now, another story that we, we saw is that the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission is trying to create a, a board, an oversight board, to create financial cyber rules. This is so important. This is very necessary. It is this intersection of technology and money is so it's exploded dramatically in the past two years, five years, 10 years. The more we can have people just sitting there asking questions, making sure that all the players involved are above board. They're all doing what they're supposed to be doing, that they're all following the rules, or maybe rules haven't been created yet because this is so new, but we really need rules to make sure everyone is above the board here. When you have systems and procedures that follow standards created by ent- entities like the Securities and Exchange Commission, now that gives that gives you hope that okay your IT company is not just out there wanting to sell you something. Hey look, here's an organization like the SEC that's saying this is why this is a good thing. Do do multi-factor authentication on your network. Do do pen testing, do different things to see what's happening with your cybersecurity health. Please this is a good thing. This The biggest thing is trust. What they're trying to do is they're trying to take these new pop-up institutions, which are all very much the Wild West, and they're trying to tame them. Because whenever you have trust and you have stability, that's whenever businesses can thrive. Whenever everyone involved says, you know what, I don't know you, I've never interacted with you, but I believe that you're not going to do something funky. I believe that if you do do something funky, you're going to get in trouble for it. And I'm going to be made whole again. That's this is how you have this foundation of everyone's on the same playing field. 
everyone has all of the same amount of knowledge. This is a very good thing. And we hope for more new organizations created to provide oversight like this. And we want to thank General Informatics for sponsoring our show. General Informatics is an information technology firm with a mission. And that mission is to make our clients even more successful through the best use of technology. Based in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, General Informatics is a premier IT managed services provider delivering exceptional managed IT solutions to a diverse base of customers from Texas to the Carolinas. From the beginning, we have maintained our commitment to meeting the growing needs of our clients through the continuous use of innovation. With over 20 years of experience and a team of 120 plus employees, including technicians, engineers, programmers, and designers, GI has evolved to become the leading IT partner of businesses, schools, and government agencies. Our managed services teams can run your digital infrastructure or support your team on an on-demand basis, letting you focus on your business's strength. This has become a proven formula, so proven that 98% of our clients continue to do business with us year after year. Whether you need new IT services, new technology, or you just have a question, visit us on the web at geninf.com. And if you enjoyed our show today, we're here on Talk 107.3 FM every Saturday at 4, and the show will rerun Sunday at 4. If you missed any part of our show or you would like to hear any of the previous episodes, check out our podcast, which is available on most every platform, including Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, TuneIn, Stitcher, Podcast Attic, Overcast, Player FM, and more. And when you're there, be sure to subscribe so you'll be notified every time a new episode is posted. If you like our show, if you have some suggestions or want to submit a question, let us know by visiting our website, techgumbo.net. Thank you for listening to Tech Gumbo.